Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo, the podcast dedicated to yo-yo theory, yo-yo improvisation, and yo-yo performance, brought to you by Helix Throws, and I am your host, as always, Ross Levine. Today, our special guest, this is a normal interview episode with special guest Hunter Fjordstein. I can't wait to show you what he has to say, because we covered a lot. Uh, Hunter, as you know, is a trailblazer in the social media space, creating the format that all of the biggest social media yo-yoers now use and are starting to maybe adapt from, but it's what got them all their start. Uh, and Hunter is also just a, a brilliant yo-yoer. He's one of the only people who's able to like, look at a high-level competitor's freestyle and then learn it completely and then practice those tricks and then adapt them to his own style uh, at and, like, that's part of the secret to his success. He's just incredible, and he yo-yos all the time. And you'll hear all about that in his creative process, and all of that's going to come out through this episode. But I want to let you know that Hunter is trying to become a professional full-time yo-yoer. And how he is choosing to do that is through his website, HunterYoYos.com. That's H-U-N-T-E-R-Y-O-Y-O-S dot C-O-M. Dot com. Uh, that's probably not the hard part to spell here. Anyway, uh, he's got a holiday special going on, and I'm not getting sponsored by him in any way to do this. But you can uh, for for you can get 35% off uh, of his website, all the things at his website, which is exciting because he just released the Spotlight Ultra, which, as far as I understand, is a 7068 version of the original Spotlight, which on its own is a great yo-yo. It's one that I've tried, and I can confidently say it's a good yo-yo at a really, really good price. Uh, and so, so very, very, very well worth looking into. Uh, to get that 35% off, uh, you're going to use B, like boy, F, like Frank, 35, uh, and B and F are both capitalized, and there's no spaces or underscores or anything. It's just capital B, capital F, thir three, five, uh, and that's your code to get that 35% off. Uh, so none of that is sponsored. None of that's getting any money into my account. But this next statement will. Very soon, I'm going to be launching a, a product that, first of all, will get you, like, <laughs> hundreds of dollars worth of free stuff. And then also, I'll offer uh, a, a product that's going to solve your uh, bearing and pad issues forever. Uh, I'm going to get you probably a 10-year supply of pads and bearings for a very reasonable price. So check out my Instagram at Helix Throws. That's H-E-L-I-X underscore T-H-R-O-W-S. And you'll be able to find out information. Uh, you'll also want to join my mailing list. All of that will come through my Instagram, though. So just follow me there, and you'll see everything that's coming up. But I can't wait for you to hear everything that Hunter has to say, and thank you for listening through that small marketing frenzy that I just pulled right there. Uh, sorry to, to, to hook you into that, but it helps keep this show running, and I'm exploring a lot of different options to uh, monetize that sh this show. Oh, and one one more thing that I'm monetizing with is I'm I'm taking in yo-yos that are signed special editions and selling them on eBay and I'm buying those from the creators at wholesale price so it supports the creators of the yo-yo and it also helps to support this show uh, and and hopefully they sell for slightly higher uh, because they also are going to come with pads and with bearings when you buy yo-yos from my eBay store which is Helix Throws as well uh, 
And right now I have a Dressel Designs Monarch up, which is almost sold. And then I'm going to have some spotlights up as well, signed by Hunter Mint Inbox, available for you on eBay. So go ahead and bid on those if you want to support the show. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait for you to hear everything that Hunter says. Peace. Hello, Hunter. Yo, what's up? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing so, so good. How are you doing? Pretty well. That is good to hear. Um, so I'm very excited to have you here. I've been looking forward to having you on the show for a while. And uh, yeah, I guess let's just get into it. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. Absolutely. So tell me the first question I always start with. How did you get into yo-yoing? All right. So how did I get into yo-yoing? This is a pretty interesting question, actually, because uh, my story, I guess, is kind of similar to some other people. But at the same time, it's it's a little bit different because uh, I didn't just get into it like like a lot of people get into it with like a Christmas gift or something like that. But for me, it was actually uh, in 2013 over summer break. My brother and I were like kind of bored at home. We didn't have anything to do. My mm -hmm. mom randomly got a Facebook notification of there being like a class at the library where they're teaching kids how to yo-yo, right? Mm -hmm. And we go and we meet these two guys, right? Awesome yo-yoers. And uh, later I find out they're national and world champions. So um, oh, I'm wow. not sure if you, you probably know them, Harold Owens and oh, Tyler Harold Severance. Oh, Harold Owens III? Yeah, Harold Owens III oh, and man. Tyler Severance. They're the two people that uh, actually taught me how to yo-yo at the beginning. That's incredible. Those are, both of them are, well, Tyler yeah, legends, was sure. a, a big influence just by like watching his, his, his videos, but like, it, it was cool seeing him. He was more on the 5A side, but Harold Owens very much had a huge influence on my 1A. Just that he's such a master of like, like flow and precision and, and his showmanship is so good on stage. If you watch his freestyle. Yeah. 2000, I think it was 2011 Nats. Mm -hmm. Is that when he won or was it 2010? I think it was 2011. I don't remember. I wish I did, but <laughs> you probably know better so than good. I do. Oh, so man, good. They're, they're incredible. That's an awesome first influence. So did they just like take you aside and show you or? Uh, well, it was kind of like a big group of people, like uh, a lot of different ages. It was probably 40, 50 people that they're teaching. But like, oh, wow. I feel like I feel like I, I'm one of those people that feels like they have to learn like super quick. So I think I was kind of like asking them more questions and saying like, hey, can you teach me a trick a little bit more often than some of the other people? So mm. I don't know. I think I might have been learning faster because of that. That's so cool. Um, and did you did they give out yo-yos at this or like how did you happen upon your first one? OK, so that's another good question. So they they were <laughs> selling yo-yos, but mm -hmm. uh, I didn't I didn't buy one the first time because like when I first went. My brother and I, I'm not sure if you know my brother Tanner, he used to yo-yo. Mm. Um, he doesn't yo-yo really too much anymore, but uh, back then we both went and we didn't want to go at first. So like we thought it was kind of dumb, like why would I want to do a yo-yo? That's just boring. <laughs> my mom wanted mm. us to go anyway. We ended up loving it. And uh, I, I ended up not getting a yo-yo after the first day, but the second day back, literally the next day, I went back to the library and I got a yo-yo that day. It was oh, wow. a... Uh, I, I believe it was a yo-yo factory one was my first oh, okay so i'm guessing based on the location you're you're in arizona right yeah so 
I'm assuming, and I, I know that at that time, Harold Owens, he had the two hot, so Tyler mm-hmm. had the severe, and and um, and they were both on Yo-Yo Factory back then. Yeah. So I'm guessing this was a Yo-Yo Factory sponsored event that they were just sending him around. Yeah. So funny story, actually. So uh, when we first went in, like before we even got into the library, we library interesting piece of yo-yo history we saw the uh yo-yo factory van outside the building was parked outside not sure if you know about that i i think i saw it once maybe it was a yo-yo expert van tell tell me about the yo-yo factory van uh it's basically it's very similar to the yo-yo expert one just yo-yo factory Uh i don't really remember too much other than that i saw it and i'm like okay that's kind of (laughs) cool that that question in your head of how does a yo-yo company afford a van (laughs) except at the time like i was eight i really wasn't even thinking of that kind of stuff but like now that i look back on it that's like really cool that they have a van or uh, that they had a van i don't even know if it still exists that's wild i i hope it does i yeah that'd be cool for sure oh absolutely you should you should hit up yo-yo factor and be like yo yeah 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 i'll ask ben for sure yeah Oh man. So, so in case people don't know you, which if they don't, it's just, I, I don't know where they've been hiding. Um, but, uh, tell us kind of some of your biggest achievements. Um, just some of the, some of the titles that you have to your name. All right. So, um, I'm a four time ranked first in Arizona, four times in one a, um, I'm also three times in four a, so lot, lots of Arizona State's wins. I've been to Arizona State's basically every year since I've started yo-yoing. Uh-huh. And um, I was also ranked. I didn't actually win the contest, but I was ranked first in the West Coast. Uh, I think it was 2018, I believe. Oh, wow. Maybe it was 2019. I don't even remember now. <laughs> but uh, there was that. Got uh, second at quite a few contests, actually. Like so many contests, too many to count. Yeah. Uh, I'm ranked third in the United States right now and 15th <laughs> in the world. So that's incredible. Was that the, the online world contest or uh, no in-person worlds, one? in-person wow. worlds, 2019, I got 15th online worlds, 2021. I got a uh, seventh. So wow. yep. also good on you for not yeah, sharing think... the better one. Like, <laughs> like that's such a humble thing to do, but also like legit in-person contests are i mean they both have their difficulties and 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 you know good things yeah. and bad things but in person to land those tricks with those nerves in front of the people and not being in the comfort of your room it's a very very different no honestly like i think the online contests are more stressful really yeah how so uh well first of all uh, i'm sure a lot of yo-yoers listening to this uh can probably relate that like yo-yoing in front of a camera in general is just very stressful yeah <laughs> when you <laughs> yeah i'm when sure you really want to land something especially. yeah yeah it's always <laughs> yeah. when you uh really want to be able to get it on camera and you yep. just can't because just because the camera's there if the camera was taken away you would get it first try it's very similar to when you really want to show a trick to your mom and <laughs> and you've landed it 15 times in a row and you show her and it's like, wait, hey mom, I swear this. it's the next one. <laughs> oh my God. So absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and when you do these, these competitions, just again, if people don't know, they need to look you up because I feel like every competition that you go to, at least when you were 
younger, you're getting a little bit older now, so it's a little bit less surprising. But yeah. the amount of like total baller moves that you just whip out, uh, just crazy uh, connection between the music and the movements. It is very theatrical, and there is a lot of the the standard like meta stuff that that I've t- that I usually talk about, like oh mm-hmm. man, ruining yeah. yo-yoing. But it's but I I think that there's so much consistency and the difficulty of the tricks that you manage to hit and also the creativity that you still are able to implement while being able to hit those tricks is so impressive and should definitely be something that people strive for when they're trying to yeah like if you want to win competitions oh man you are somebody who's freestyles people have to watch yeah i definitely agree with that because like uh at least after nationals like i realized Mm -hmm. i actually had like quite a few meta tricks and i'm like i really don't want to (laughs) be I don't want to be too generic. So I'm like starting uh-huh. to make some more uh, different tricks that I haven't seen, like, or at least different types of tricks. I'm so excited to see them. <laughs> I, I also, I think the, the quote that I remember the most, like I heard a lot of people say a lot of things, but you said something like, uh, like that you don't make creative tricks. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then about five <laughs> minutes after that, I saw you do the craziest horizontal leg trick like you were maintaining horizontal while weaving between your legs and i was like <laughs> didn't you just say that you don't make creative tricks that's the coolest thing i think i've ever seen it's because um, i think i think the thing is like when i make something that you might consider creative it's not uh-huh. like it's not usually like a full-on combo like a lot of people do like usually mm-hmm. it's some random individual element that like i figure out randomly or by accident sometimes and it just happens to work so then, then what would you qualify as something being creative? Um, I I don't even know how to answer that, to be honest. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, I guess just something that looks out of the ordinary, maybe. Because, okay. like, there's some, there's some elements that I do that, like, when I'm doing them, I know, like, I haven't seen anyone else do them. But, like, from a spectator perspective, it looks like, it looks similar to what other people are doing, if you know what I mean. I gotcha. So, it's, like... Uh... They're they're technically technically different, but like from someone else's point of view, like you can't even tell the difference. A basic example, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is like a Eli Hop versus a um a boomerang. That oh yeah to yeah. us it's like oh yeah one goes over and is way harder and the other goes under and is way easier yeah. But to an audience, you can do this both of them and they'll be like oh wow that was a good trick that you just did twice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is that kind of what you mean? yeah a little bit yeah it's definitely kind of hard to explain like the whole idea of creative tricks though because like it's kind of a different I think it's a different definition for everyone to be honest Mm. absolutely well what I what I would encourage for especially for this show is like I don't care what the right answer is I care what your answer is I want to know what you think makes a creative trick and feel free to to throw that out there and feel free to be wrong too um I, yeah i'm often wrong on this show um so one one other thing just on on your competitive history is like i i was trying to research the show and i i kept looking up i was like all right i gotta get kind of a, a discography of of like all the things that he's done kind of the major things i just kept finding competition after competition after competition how many have you done <laughs> if you know it's I, i've lost count i think probably over 40 by now 
Oh my god. I think. And how 30 long or 40 maybe. Uh so I started in 2013 in uh July and then I went to my first contest in November of 2013. Wow. So you just immediately and you competed at that first one? Yeah, so that was 2013 Arizona States. Wow. Uh so I actually did the sport ladder that contest. So I didn't even get like an official ranking. Uh mm-hmm. but I didn't really do that well for sure. <laughs> That's honestly i think it's just that you started so young that i saw all those that it caught me by surprise because that you know 40 over over that many years is not as many as i originally (laughs) thought but that's that just means that you started how old were you 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 i was eight eight oh my god yeah Yeah, see that that'll do it yeah but like actually uh 2013 arizona states was the only contest i went to and then 2014, I only went to two contests. Okay. And then after that, I started going to like basically every contest I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. So I guess one question I'd have is like, why, of all of the things that you could be doing, why yo-yoing specifically? So for that, I kind of think, I think it just kind of came accidentally because like, I think if I gave, if, like, if you gave me when I was eight years old, a list of like 200 hobbies and say, pick one that you should just, that you can just do for the next 10 years, I would mm-hmm. never have picked yo-yo. <laughs> I can tell well, you that. Well, because at that age, you thought it was so lame, <laughs> as you said earlier. Even at, even like at this age, like other mm-hmm. people that don't yo-yo probably think it's lame until they <laughs> actually like see modern tricks. Yep. That's a fair point. I was... Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. to answer your question though like getting into yo-yo I feel like I, I don't even know I feel like I feel like it's just something like it may sound kind of generic of an answer but just like I feel like there's infinite possibilities with yo-yo so like you can just be creative with other hobbies I feel like it's not so much like that like mm-hmm. other hobbies in the past I've tried just didn't seem to be like as good of a creative outlet for yeah. example like I did I did Rubik's cubes for a bit like before I started yo-yoing and like as good as you can get like you can get really good at that right you can just keep improving your time solve cubes faster and faster but like at the end of the day it's just learning algorithms and learning like how to move the cube faster than everyone else but like it's really not anything too creative like yo-yo Yeah you're you're not the first person to have been on this show who has given up Rubik's cubes because they felt it wasn't creative enough. I've that was literally the example I was going to give, and I'm glad that you gave it. Uh, I think kind of the the issue is that like if you think about the the skill curve of how good you get over time with a mm-hmm. Rubik's cube, it's asymptotic that you get to a certain point, and then you're like, okay, I can solve it in three point five nine 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 seconds, and then you do it again. It's like, yeah, I got it to three point five nine 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 eight seconds, and then like the only next step is to change to a four by four and a five by five and then those are yeah. all the same algorithms it's like okay how much mm-hmm. <laughs> how much can you do really with this whereas with yo-yoing you can dive into any one trick and if you want to be about speed you can be about speed but then if you want to do creativity you could do that too yeah and you can make it into like any other you could take any trick and turn it into an arm trick or a neck trick yes. or a 360 trick if you want Ooh, so tell me about that. Tell me about how you might take a trick and and switch it up. Yeah, so I think with that, I kind of, uh, one thing I like to do is when I'm watching 
uh, by the way, I watch a lot of freestyles, like a mm. lot. Like I will literally repeat, watch, like watch the same freestyle on repeat, like 10 times in a week. Sometimes wow. if I really like the freestyle, uh, uh, especially quick, some of my favorite yo For like your, good your three yo favorite. Three favorite yo-yoers. Uh, three Yuki favorite freestyles. Oh, Yuki Nishisako 2019 uh, Worlds Final. That's one. That is a great freestyle. Yuki has been my favorite yo-yoer for probably three or four years now. Uh, okay. If you like, if you watch his tricks and then compare them to mine, like I feel like I get a lot of inspiration from him. Really. But I, at the same time, I try to make them uh, different at least. I I still need two more freestyles. All right. Uh, Park Jun Song Online Worlds 2021. That's a really good one. Uh, O W W O W Y Y C two zero two one. Great. And then what's the last one? Ooh, uh, I need to think of something. <laughs> it's so hard to think of freestyles like off the top of my head like this. Oh, right off the top of your head. All right, give me a name then. Um, Another of your favorite yo-yoers. How about um, Mir Kim? That's a good nice. one. Love it. I love me some Mir Kim too. All right, beautiful. So now getting back to what the question was, uh, switching from like a base simpler trick into you know taking a trick and maybe making it an arm or a neck or a leg or something changing the zoning of a trick yeah so like when i'm watching freestyles a lot of times i'll put the videos like on youtube in like 25 percent speed i'll just mm -hmm. learn the trick and then i'll try uh doing the same trick but like turning around while i'm doing it or i'll try doing the trick and insert my arm into the mount and see if i can do something from there or I'll pinch a string and try to form a slack. So basically, I'll just take like a trick that I see one of my favorite players doing and just try to like change it and make it my own trick. Basically, that, make it uh, make it a better trick. Make it like my own. Put my own flair on it. So usually, that, that's with uh, either making it into like a body trick or a three sixty trick, as the two examples I was giving. That's really cool and is very similar to kind of a strategy that I like to use. And also it builds on a previous episode. Uh, Jonathan Satongong was talking about building a trick vocabulary and he does basically the same thing. He goes through his tricks and then meticulously is like, what can I do next here? What can mm -hmm. I do next here? And I like that you're now kind of giving, and I basically asked him for a list of options of like, how do you switch up? And I'm glad that you now have more stuff of like try turning try putting your arm into different into mm -hmm. different like holes within your your um formation that you're holding because there's so many and <laughs> anywhere yeah. you put your arm is going to be a whole new trick yeah i remember listening to your episode with jonathan and i was like i was thinking you know what like i was thinking this exact same thing mm -hmm. <laughs> and the thing is i i think we're a little bit different though because he definitely is more like tech and flow based where I feel mm. like I do a lot more uh, body tricks and like bangers and stuff. Absolutely. Definitely Ooh. interesting to hear like the same kind of mindset from players with completely different styles. Cause like I can yeah. tell you my tricks are nothing like Jonathan's. Yes. We still have the same strategy though. This is, this is theory. This is what theory is. <laughs> this is why yo-yo theory is important because it applies to everybody. Yeah, for um, sure. Oh, that's so cool. So do you maybe have a trick that you do that you could kind of go through how you developed it? 
or not you don't have to show it but kind of just to talk through maybe your a thought process of of one mm. of the tricks that you remember went through this trying to think so like i have this one i don't know if you've seen it but i have this one trick that's like a it goes into like a behind the arm behind the back trapeze thing yes and then it goes into like it's like i don't even know how to describe it it lands on the string like in front of my neck but it's uh -huh. still like on my arm and behind my back and then it pops behind my neck and lands in a trapeze yeah so that's one trick uh i think i don't remember who was the inspiration for that trick to be honest but like that trick i remember uh, I was trying to get inspiration from foray actually. Cause like I was practicing a lot of foray tricks at the time uh -huh. and I'm like, you know, this trick, like doing a behind the back, uh, body orbit in foray, if you know what that is, it's almost that same thing, except in one a that's, uh, that's where you're throwing the, the string is behind your back. The, yeah. And it goes around your body lands and land. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes over and under and over and under. Right. Like yeah full body rotation okay mm -hmm. so i was doing that but then i realized so i've seen yuki nishisako do that but then i was like you know what why not try that same thing but do it over my arm at the same time so i was going behind the back and behind the arm at the same time and it forms like a slightly different mount where you can get into this neck thing from there and it forms like an entirely new concept i can show you that trick later if you want by the way so that actually brings up a, a point that you talked about in the pre-interview of um, you, the impact on of other styles on your 1A tricks. Is that something that you that you do a lot? Yeah, Just for like sure. borrowing I think, across? Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of an underrated thing, to be honest, because like mm. for 1A at least, so many people get caught up in the tricks that only 1A players do and they take inspiration from that. But mm. I love taking inspiration from 4A tricks in my 1a especially 4a that's the main one uh not it's not really as applicable to other styles like i feel like you can't get too much 3a inspiration in 1a because uh -huh. 3a is basically each yo-yo is doing a more simplified version of 1a uh-huh but uh yeah you can still probably get inspiration if you see someone like Hajime Mira doing some cool yeah. 3A trick, you can probably still come up with like some sort of 1A thing based off of one of those tricks. I I definitely know. Um, just to complete another full circle, uh uh Aliyah Tan has been yeah. putting in work in 3A that is based on solo ham. And the, oh yeah, yeah. And she's like, only people who know solo ham understand what my 3A tricks are, but <laughs> no one else everyone else is just like whoa i've never seen a 3a trick like yeah that yeah it was like i think i saw one i think i saw saw one from her that was like what was it it was like a koro koro except there is another wrap around it yes. that made it keep wrapping more than it usually does yeah. it's kind of like the solo ham wraps the the infinite koros yeah oh my god this That's is such a uh, sick trick. tuesday november 15th and i think that was posted I'd say about a week ago, uh, and it's 2022 right now. For anybody listening, go look on Aaliyah Tan's Instagram page and look that trick up because it is so cool so and ev everything insane. Coming out of that page is so good. Aaliyah the neck, it. the neck coro coro too. Yes. Oh my god. That kind of <laughs> goes back to what I was saying about like making tricks into that are already well known into like body tricks mm -hmm. or other concepts like that. Yeah. Doing a 3A like neck coro coro is just so unique.
even though Absolutely. it's not really the trick itself, like the Koro Koro isn't a new concept, but doing it on the neck, no one had ever really done that prior to that. It, it almost feels to me like, because my, my thoughts on competition have, have has, it's constantly evolving, but mm -hmm. it seems like that pushing some boundary, finding some boundary and pushing it, and then also doing the normal meta to score your points and get your score yeah. high enough, like in between pushing the boundary because if mm -hmm. you're pushing the boundary that's really risky and really really hard so it seems like the people who win tend to find a boundary push it but then balance that against some set that they're much more confident in is that something that yeah. you find works uh previously i hadn't really done it but everything kind of changed after nationals when i realized everyone uh, I was one of the more sloppy performances in finals. And I think the reason I placed so high was just because of like all the multi-click elements, like the really mm. difficult tricks that I yeah. had in there. So even though I missed a lot, I still placed high because of that. So yeah. uh, I'm thinking I want to try to get more consistent at tricks, maybe have a little bit, a little bit easier tricks for some of them, mm. but I also don't want to like, uh, cause I'm known for doing really difficult tricks. So I don't want to take too much of that out yeah that's definitely i think what one of the things that makes my entertain my performances a bit entertaining is because yeah. of that it's just the sheer difficulty i i remember watching you you were i mean you're still very young but you were like super super young in this video and people didn't seem all that impressed or like interested it might have even been a world's prelim and no one was really reacting and then you came out and you know you're, you're doing kind of standard tricks and then you did like 1.5 whip 2.0 whip 2.5 whip yeah. 2.0 whip 3.5 whip and the whole crowd's like how is he doing this yeah i remember so something like, like that happened 2017 world yo-yo mm -hmm. contest in iceland yep uh i ended up having i think it was a flawless prelim zero mistakes i was kind so of the wild. underdog in that uh, I, I definitely think age plays a role in uh, how you place because uh, people aren't expecting as much from like a young looking person. Yes. Oh, that's a good point. But also, I think if you would have done that routine right now, <laughs> at your current age, you'd still <laughs> like that was so cool. Like, yes, I agree with you, but also don't undersell yourself. That was an awesome freestyle. Thank you. No matter what age you were. Um sweet so i think that's a, a great point um one other thing is like what do you what you you taught a, a a lecture at nationals which is something that i think should be way more common in yo-yoing and that's it's like something that i've i was so excited when i saw that it was you specifically because i'm like oh my god he's gonna I, I i can't wait to hear what he has to say and it was a really fun lecture. Like it, it, I think it was a really good, um, a good one, and something that I'm sure you'll learn from. And I hope that you'll try again next, uh, next year, yeah. and, and just like continue that because that was that was a really fun time. It was also kind of a funny moment where <laughs> you asked for people to. It, it, well, tell us about what the lecture was in your own words. Yeah. So the lecture uh, nationals was basically. It's basically me teaching a group of people the, how to make tricks look cooler, present them better, uh, to make it more impressive to an audience, and then also increasing like the efficiency of the tricks to make it uh, score a bit higher if you want to 
uh, do well in competitions. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely wasn't too prepared for that. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that lecture was happening until a uh, pretty short notice. Really? So did they didn't really give you time to prepare for it? Uh, well, they told me it was happening, but like uh -huh. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't I know gotcha. how many people were going to be there or how long it was going to be or anything like that. You just casually packed the whole room. <laughs> yeah, pretty oh much. <laughs> it was pretty stressful because I really wasn't expecting that big of a group. I was expecting mm -hmm. like a much smaller group, especially because I have a yo-yo club that's quite a bit smaller. Ah, a lot so you're more of like used a, to working one-on-one. -on -one. smaller group for sure, yeah. I gotcha. There was there was sort of a moment in there where you asked for volunteers to come up, which I think was a good solution to trying to do one-on-one -on -one teaching with a bigger yeah. group. And no one was raising their hand, at, at least how I'm remembering it. And so I raised my hand, even though I have absolutely no interest in the efficiency of tricks, or at least I didn't back then because I wasn't trying to win prelims so that I could lose finals, which is still <laughs> my plan. Just sharing that for the listeners. Um, uh, uh, oh, but quick update on that is I don't know if I'm going to choreograph my final because I just am losing interest in choreographing a final, so I might just improv it again. We'll see. Anyway, I've got seven months or whatever. Um, so I raised my hand. We were, I was trying to like go into increasing the efficiency of I think like the windmill move where yeah. it's like it's not quite a line. Yeah, for sure. So oh, no, your man. your trick style definitely like you don't design your tricks for competition at all. Mm -hmm. Well, so then kind of what would you recommend of like not to put you on the spot on another platform, uh, but like how would you recommend for people who do want to increase the efficiency and increase the showmanship? What's maybe a few tips that you that you'd give them? All right. So first of all, one thing. Again, I'm going to keep bringing it back to nationals this year because for whatever reason, I learned so much about my yo-yoing and just yo-yoing in general at that contest. Maybe it was just it was the first in-person contest in a few years. But uh, a couple things I was learning there. So many people after my performance were telling me like, dude, you need to slow down. You're going way too fast on your tricks. It just looks like out of control and you're missing stuff because of that. Mm. So that's one thing, slowing down. Uh, even though it seems kind of counterintuitive because you would think when you're going faster, you're going to get clicks faster, right? But at the same time, you're also going to miss more. You're going to be more stressed. It's going to look more out of control. And judges might even miss some of the clicks if they blink yeah. or turn away for a second, if they get distracted. But uh, if you just slow it down, even just slightly, usually you can still fit all of your tricks in and it will feel way, way smoother and just cleaner in general. So that's, that's one a thing. Very good point. So yeah, what's some other things? That's a, so that's one thing. And another thing that kind of uh, builds off of that is trying to make the tricks with really obvious string hits. Not every single string hit is going to be a click, but uh, a lot of the times if you make them really obvious and uh, precise looking, uh, sometimes they'll click a little bit higher. So they're just easier. If you watch some of the top yo-yo competitors in the world, you'll see when you're watching them there, most of them are much easier to click. Like you can obviously see every time the yo-yo lands a clicking element. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, good examples are like Gentry or uh, Nate Daly. Those are two good examples, I think. Just people that have uh, 
really obvious clicking elements. I'm sure it's you almost, can imagine like what I mean. It's almost like another, there's a few different definitions for meta that, mm-hmm. that get thrown around. One is like most efficient. Oh, someone in the, <laughs> someone listening is yeah. going, ah, I know what it is. Do you know what the acronym is? What, wait, meta stands for something? Yeah, it stands for something. I did not know that. People, people listening to us are, are yelling at us right now. Just know that. Um, I'll, I'll look it up when you, when you talk for a little bit next. But uh, it, so, so it's, there's, there's that definition, but then there's also like, like the, the meta of like self-referential meta. And so it's almost like Gentry and, and, um, and all the other top competitors their meta game is they aren't learning how to yo-yo they're learning how to get the judges to click and part yeah. of that is they are humans who have human eyes who yeah. don't see at god speed even though you can do mm-hmm. tricks at god speed so part of it is showing those and, and slowing down and, and pausing i literally when i think about gentry what i think about is he pauses in a mount and looks at the audience for a second and then goes back mm-hmm. into his tricks and like and if that's you do what that trick is. that same trick if you did it without looking up at the audience no pause and just act like nothing happened there's probably a pretty good chance it's not going to get clicked if it wasn't if you didn't make it too obvious yeah so just there's one more definition of meta for us to do not just the tricks everyone's doing but but the meta game of i'm not just a yo-yoer i am a a click increaser <laughs> like but that, yeah, the so definition, that's really good of slowing the main down. definition i think of is just uh the max efficiency tricks that you're gonna yeah. get a lot of clicks for absolutely and also um, I, I tend to think of them as pretty generic tricks so what what might some other ways of of increasing someone's competitiveness be just because you're such i mean it's so cool having you here because you're just such an incredible resource, both on the competition side and on the on the social media side. And we'll get into the social media, but mm-hmm. for now, stick into the competitions. What what might some what maybe just spread your knowledge? What do you got for us? All right, <laughs> consistency. consistency. Consistency is key for sure, because uh, just having good consistency will really improve scores on like every category. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it uh it might not seem like it when you look at the scoring system and you're like oh there's so many different categories they're all all these different things i need to focus on right but really if you if you just hit clean you're gonna get high control you're gonna get high execution you're Mm -hmm. probably gonna get high body control as long as you're not uh looking not professional on stage yeah so i think it's really like that with a lot of the categories and even like with tech you're going to like with your technical execution score it's going to be much higher if you're just consistent like if you're just consistent with your tricks that's another thing is like you know how if you have one if you have one negative click in a freestyle right mm-hmm. you're getting that one negative click so it's one point lower but you're also missing the trick so that's another point. Maybe if it was a double click that you're missing, then that's three points lower than you could have gotten just with one mistake. Mm. Absolutely. Definitely so, adds up. So the the efficiency is definitely something that's 
that's worth going for. And if people want to hear more about that, also the Chris Toledo episode, we we go really deep into into efficiency. But I know that you have thoughts on learning efficiency. What are maybe some of your thoughts on how to improve someone's efficiency? Because you're literally going through it right now. Are you thinking in terms of like getting clicks? Uh, in terms of getting, or sorry, not efficiency, consistency is what I meant to say. Oh, okay. So for getting consistent, I feel like mm-hmm. just grinding the tricks over and over, just pick one trick. Maybe just do, as boring as it may seem, just do that same trick like all day. Mm-hmm. If you if you have an hour to yo-yo, just do that same trick over and over. And you're just going to build muscle memory as you do it more. Yeah. And also try to like, try to film it flawless with no mistakes and really clean, really uh, like smooth looking mm-hmm. without uh, any sort of hesitation or anything like that. Definitely. I, and I can also speak from experience. I have literally been doing that and it's in, improved my yo-yoing, not just competitively, but now I can just throw out those those tricks. Like I can I can hit a, a Brent stole and then whip around to a reverse and then back into a forward, just mm-hmm. like how Evan does, because I practiced it for like a week or two. Like, yeah. like and I can hit that every single time. And when you can do that, now your other whips have improved because you've learned tiny minuscule adjustments and like, how do you watch slack as it flies through the air? What do I focus on? You learn those things when you do it. So it's not really just learning that trick. It's also improving your yo-yoing as a whole um, because everything borrows from each other. Every trick helps every other trick. Yeah, that's interesting. I wasn't really, I'd never really thought about that before you said that, but Mm -hmm. that brings up a pretty good point because like, uh, I keep going back to this, but like how I do oh, a lot of 360, 360 tricks, neck tricks, behind the back, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like just learning elements in that kind of position of your body just makes it easier to learn more like that. Yeah. So like, since I already have a lot of tricks like that, I feel like I have an easier time learning more tricks like that than someone that's never done a behind the back trick before. Yeah, I've I've found that with all learning really like if you try to learn calculus without knowing algebra i think of it i I come back to this statement a lot you need a place to hang your hat if you don't have a place to hang your hat then your hat's gonna fall on the ground and so if you don't build the foundation first then you don't have a place in your brain to store new information on and and information is cumulative you you accumulate it over a lifetime you you learn a little something here and then you learn a little something here. And then you, you know, you start with potty training and then eventually you get up to calculus. <laughs> and so like, yeah, like that's how it all works. It all builds on each other. You can't do calculus if you haven't been potty trained because this is just going to be a mess literally. So, uh, so in the same way, I- I'm using that disgusting metaphor to make it stick in your brain. Um, in the same way, if you try to learn, above the head tricks like i'm now learning above the head and and like uh, mm-hmm. black hops above the head i'm i'm diving deep into that and i'm finding that what you're saying is completely true that now that i'm doing that i can do a lot more advanced uh behind the back stuff and and under the leg stuff are you having audio trouble you good no it was just cool. a little low i brought up the volume just a little bit cool cool so then then learning just a trapeze above my head is that hat rack I've now built 
my I have a place yeah. to hang my hat. And so now black hops becomes a lot easier because I've learned that formation and I can I can play with it and then start spinning and mm -hmm. then spin the other way and then it's just exactly what you're saying. It it's it's so true. And yeah, and the I'm confirming that so people will go and try it. Yeah, the black hops thing is definitely a, a great place to start for the over the head because yeah. they're pretty basic elements and you get you kind of get the foundation getting used to using your left hand and your right hand. Yeah. Not just because if you just do elements on one hand over your head, you're never going to get good with your other hand, like doing those kind of yes. tricks. Absolutely. And as We're... you're mentioning, also spinning both directions is also good. Uh, one thing I want to throw out is if you're learning anything, one direction, learn it the other. If you learn it with one hand, learn it with the other. If you're just starting yo-yoing, do it right and left-handed. I really think 3A is the future of yo-yoing and like... <laughs> If we get a bunch of ambidextrous yo-yoers out there, 3A and 2A are gonna make a comeback. <laughs> like I just, I just have so much faith in it's gonna that. Gonna be so, gonna be so competitive. Oh yeah, after Hajime, like it's gonna be just like 1A. Yeah, I've always had a dream of like a, a 3A hook where you land a hook on both hands at the same time. Oh, I think someone landed it. I think really? I, 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 I want to see that. I've always imagined that, and I'm like, that would be the coolest thing, but I've never seen it. I I know that, um, at least I'm pretty sure that Josh Yee commented, I've always thought this was impossible, and I could be wrong. It might have been me that commented it, but I think Josh Yee had something to do with it, and he commented something. Someone commented, I always thought that was impossible, because I don't, it seems impossible. Geometrically, two hooks shouldn't exist together. Yeah, for sure um awesome so so let's get a little bit out of the um i think we've kind of covered what scores how to become more efficient how to uh take styles from one style and put it into another uh what else have we covered all the competitions that you've done different yo-yos to look at perfect let's get a little bit into i think a good transition point would be practicing bangers which is a, a point that you had that i think we've started to cover is there a specific approach that you have to one creating and two practicing bangers now getting more into the social media side of things yeah so with the bangers i feel like uh it's kind of similar to what gavin said on your podcast about mm -hmm. doing the whole repeater thing just yep. taking one element so with bangers, especially since a lot of bangers really are just one single element that's just really hard to do, right? So yes. if you if you just practice one element over and over, it's just going to improve so fast Yeah. instead of focusing on tire tricks. I think that's one big thing for that. Definitely. Any, any, anything else of, um, of kind of like, because you have to create so much for, for Instagram. So maybe the question might be, where does all of this material come from? And then, partly, how long does it take you to land it? And is it like, what's that process look like? So uh, it really depends on the tricks. Because especially on Instagram, I'm posting a lot of different difficulty level stuff. Like the 5.5 hook I did definitely was much harder than some of the other tricks I posted. Uh -huh. uh, but for that, that was really, 
I, I don't think I'm going to hit a 5.5 again in the future. <laughs> I might, but like at the same time, I just don't feel like it's worth it. It just, it hurts your arms after yeah. five minutes, five minutes of trying and your arms are sore for the next week. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, for that, uh, I think a big key to getting that was the string I was using because I was using original throw string. Yes. Orig- Not I... sure if you've tried it. I am uh, with you there. So I bought original throw fat. I bought a pack of a hundred and it's really good for whips. I was kind of disappointed. So it came with the, um, one of the Drussel designs yo-yos. There was one, uh, yo-yo from that, that pride month fundraiser that I did, uh, that my mom won and I ended up getting it and it was the 50, 50. Um, there were two others that my family won that we ended up giving away. But there, that was the one that I wanted to hold on to. And uh, and we won it fair and square, just getting that out of there. Anyway, um, uh, she did the donation and all that. And the string was so good. And I was like, what, what string is this? And he's like, original throw. And that one string was great. But when I bought the 100 pack, it seemed like the ends were a little bit loose. D- did you get that when you've gotten it? No, I, okay. I didn't. It seemed, yeah, it seemed normal for me. That must have just been like a bad be batch a or something. Batch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to desecrate their name. They have great string um, and really, really solid for whips. Like, I mean, I, after all, I landed my first yeah. 3.5 after taking that 50 50 out of the box within like yeah. five minutes. And I've never yeah, done crazy. that before. And after all, very first 6.5 and only 6.5 hook, we're done with original throw. So there you go. Is that Yo Yo Factory Aldrin, if yeah. I'm not mistaken? Yep. Yeah. Great yo-yo worth a follow on Instagram and yeah, for sure. Killing <laughs> such cool tricks he's posting. Yeah, he's insane. Definitely similar, similar-ish style to what I do with the mm-hmm. banger stuff. Yes. And a fellow yo-yo factory sponsor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so great. So so tell me about now transitioning full force into, into the social world. You were one of the early innovators, I think, of kind of the modern uh, uh, social media yo-yo boom that happened. You were the first one to put out, quote, the format, right? Yes. So, registered uh, trademark? <laughs> not necessarily registered trademark, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, there were definitely people before me that were doing like the DNA on TikTok, but mm-hmm. I was really the first one that did the whole uh, format that everyone kind of knows now is the can I do this trick the DNA that sounds impossible but let's try anyway if I get this year blah 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 at it was you a hundred dollars or whatever that whole thing yep. so funny story that originated actually part of it was my mom <laughs> that helped create that uh-huh. so we were I'm not sure if you know I have a snapchat show uh-huh. so uh, on my snapchat show uh that's like an invite only thing snapchat like selects people to have shows on there so we were on the call it was me my mom and a couple people from the snapchat team we were just discussing ideas for like good good kind of content so we made like all these different kinds of scripts that we thought would be good for uh social media just getting people's attention and that's like the best thing we came up with i think as cringy as it might be to some yo-yoers, it definitely works for getting uh, more people into the community. No, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up is like people think about that. They're like, oh, God, I Evan even made fun of it in his, in yeah, his Nationals yeah. wedding freestyle. 
which is hilarious. And that was that was really funny when he did. Yeah, it and it is cringy. But the entire platform yeah. is cringy. Um, yeah, that's like and... how you go viral on TikTok is with it... cringe. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if it's as cringy to non-yo-yoers because they see it and they see a smiling person who's challenging themselves to do something hard and then yeah. doing it. And that's deserving of a like. And at the end of the day, that's all that social media platforms do is they yeah. connect people with content that's interesting and then they like that content. So they show it by dropping. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a big thing like some yo-yoers don't understand is they're thinking of it entirely. They think that all the TikTok yo-yo content is for yo-yoers, which really it isn't at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, like it's... I'm not I'm not trying to make videos that are entertaining to yo-yoers because that's yeah. that's I think that's in my opinion what Instagram's for. Maybe an example would be like a spotlight. Not not your yo-yo the spotlight, <laughs> but like the theater tradition of having a spotlight. That's such a strange thing, but it works and it yeah. appeals to people who go to the theater to watch it. And it's a piece of technology that changed theater forever. And yeah. like, you know, because now you have a single point of focus on a stage and what you introduced with that format, with that essentially template or script or whatever you want to call it, is a piece of technology that when used by the right people properly, ends up bringing millions of new yo-yoers into the community. Yeah, for Full sure. Full stop. <laughs> Which that's some yo-yoers like, that's another big debate among yo-yoers I'm sure you've heard of is just... uh how a lot of people don't want the community to grow. <laughs> Gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people just want the community to, they like having it be this tight-knit, small community where like they feel like they're in this elite group of yo-yoers that's like 2,000 people or something in the world. But like really, at least in my opinion, I think it's probably split 50-50. Like half mm -hmm. the people... Half yo-yoers are like, I, I just want it to stay how it is, right? And the other yep. half are like, we need to show the world what modern yo-yoing's like. Uh, I think I'm more I, part of that second group. Yeah, no, the the first group is just wrong because like, <laughs> what? It's a toy. Like, we know how much joy. I mean, obviously, this is an opinion, but I'll pretend that it's objectively wrong. We know the joy that a yo-yo brings to us yeah. in the community. And not only the joy of it, but there's so much, like for me, a yo-yo is almost a medical device that without it, I start fidgeting with random crap. I start like <laughs> yeah. folding important papers. I start, cause I have ADD. I just always am moving. I need something to move and it helps to concentrate that energy into something that's productive and uh, ultimately profitable. Like it's, it's a, it's a great thing on all fronts. It makes people who watch it happy. It makes people who do it happy. What, what's the problem with having more of those? I think it comes down to people just being scared that there's going to be another 11 year old who lands 5.5 hook before them. Like, like just shut up and let people yo-yo. I don't get what people's problem is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're necessarily wrong. Like I get where they're coming from. It's just, mm -hmm. I think, I think they just like being part of like a small community. That's fair. That's the biggest thing I think. But uh, like you were saying, the random 11-year-old kid that's going to land 5.5, <laughs> that's a big thing. Because like yep. uh, another point, I think, I can't remember exactly what it was that I told you. One of the points for the pre-interview is something about the uh, next generation of yo-yoers. Yep. I've got it on here. Yeah. yeah so let's so, go into that. 
Yeah, so uh, I think that's kind of like the future of yo-yoing is banger tricks because it's. Uh, I feel like it can definitely appeal to yo-yoers and non-yo-yoers at the same time because for yes. me, that's been like a big struggle balancing because like, especially on Instagram, my audience is probably almost half yo-yoers, half non-yo-yoers. So like if I post a really, really smooth technical trick, half of my followers do not care. And if I post a DNA, the other half of my followers don't care. So like, <laughs> it's it's really finding that balance. So I feel like bangers might be a good way in the future of uh, appealing to both audiences. Because it's both hard and flashy. Yeah. I gotcha. That's such a good take on that. Uh, it makes me think of sort of a point I've been thinking about a lot, which is like the format and bangers and the DNA people think people get mad at all those things for various reasons yeah included about bangers because it's essentially the same argument as meta it's like oh it's just a bit it's just yeah <laughs> it, it's so easy you just have to land it um but I think that what people don't understand is that when you get somebody into yo-yoing you've gotten them into yo-yoing they're now into yo-yoing into all of yo-yoing and yo-yoing, uh, Teller uh, of Penn and Teller says this about magic. Yeah. He does talk when he's not on stage. Um, and he says this about magic. He's like, uh, it's fine if people learn secrets because the sharing of secrets is part of magic. That's every magician goes through a phase where they learn a secret from some old man with a white beard. And it's awesome. And that's part of being in the magic community. And similarly, learning these tricks, it, it, even if they're like, if, even if us elitist yo-yoers might call them boring or or not that interesting or uncreative, it gets people interested and it mm -hmm. it's part of the yo-yo world. Like having fun with a toy is part of the yeah. yo-yo world. The Dollar yeah, Tree sure. yo-yo is part of the yo-yo world. Yeah, and like sure. it's all part of it. And once you've inducted yeah, someone thing... in, they'll eventually grow to become an elitist asshole yo-yoer too. <laughs> yeah, and the thing thinking about uh, what you're saying about how the magicians share a secret like the whole mm. idea i remember because i used to do magic uh mm. not i didn't get too much into it but uh around the time i was starting yo-yoing i did magic a bit and i remember like hearing i'm sure you've heard it a million times magicians never reveal their secrets yep and it's like <laughs> why why not i i get you you want to like keep the mystery right but yep. at the same time it's good for growing the community and i think the same thing happens with tiktok like yeah. teaching teaching new people how to do the DNA yeah. is going to get them eventually wanting to learn the flowy tech tricks or other creative tricks that make yo-yoing unique rather than just uh, flashy uh, like tricks that aren't complicated at all, such as yes. that you see on TikTok. It's almost like you could think of the whole yo-yo community as a tree. And there's like yeah. the, the root of the tree, which is like, all the standard, like the trick ladder, like walk the dog and Eiffel Tower and rock the baby. They're not going anywhere. That's like the roots. And then you get into the trunk where we're getting to the more complicated and more advanced, like we're starting to create stuff. You reach out, you get yeah. out to the leaves. At the very, very end, there's you and Gentry and Brandon and Evan throwing off seeds into the air. And eventually those seeds go off and plant more trees somewhere else. And then that starts taking root. 
and then those people learn the basic tricks and they eventually grow up and, and keep on doing it just keeps yeah, that's actually that's how life works that's a pretty good analogy actually <laughs> thank you <laughs> i came up with that in, i'm impressed uh, in not very much time just now um, i'm very impressed with that but that that's about accurate right and i think that's yeah. something that people can wrap their head around and be like oh yeah they're just there as the the now i'm gonna ruin yeah. it the reproductive organs of the, of the yo-yo community see now everyone's grossed out um uh there a second ago they were like wow this guy's smart now they're like ew this guy's so gross um but yeah no that's that's what it is it's it's throwing out those seeds into the into the community and seeing what sticks and seeing what takes root and seeing what grows yeah super important yeah, for sure. I think without seeds that's true and i think uh just the whole the whole idea of tiktok is definitely like tiktok yo-yo specifically is definitely uh putting those seeds out there to grow more trees definitely and honestly i think you are uh probably i mean you're provably ahead of the curve because you came up with the format and then everyone started using it but then the next step that i noticed is that you've I mean, a lot of your Instagram content is kind of the same, but your Snapchat content has been sort of moving more into like a story and like, I'm going to show you some of my friends and I'm going to show you kind of like yeah. the process of how I get better. And guess what Evan and, and Brandon and, and Angelo are starting to do? They're starting to make more story-based content, which Brandon's kind of been doing for a while since he's on YouTube and it kind of demands it because you can't sit yeah. there and say, can I do for DNA sure. for 15 minutes? But like- yeah. I think that you're ahead of the curve in that. And so just like, I want to make sure you get the credit as as being one of the biggest innovators in there, even if you're not as linked in as, as maybe you were two or three years ago. Yeah, so with the whole Snapchat thing, uh, for the show at least, uh-huh. it's really, before I was kind of doing just compilations of TikTok clips, and sometimes it worked, but I feel like the audiences definitely like more when it's a full uh because the episodes are usually around three to four minutes so uh, it's better to just do three minutes or four minutes straight of uh telling a story or having the same theme throughout it so i just did uh i i have my next episode which is being published tomorrow morning on snap and that one is it's an entirely 4a episode so which i've never done before like i've always yeah. done a mix mostly 1a some 4a maybe some other stuff but this time i'm just trying out all 4a yeah and then uh the one that you you appeared in i i did a lot about yo-yo clubs and like yeah. traveling with yo-yo stuff like that so those kind of things like the whole stories definitely make a difference yeah i mean that that could maybe be something if there's anyone who wants to do a performance like Make sure you have a story in there. It, it's an easy way to, one, use time, two, yeah. keep an audience entertained so that they're not just seeing yo-yo trick after yo-yo trick. It's it's really important. Narrative always always wins. Yeah, another thing uh, about the whole story thing is if you're, if you've ever, I'm sure a lot of people listening can probably relate when uh, you're in elementary school, maybe junior high school, uh, maybe mm-hmm. high school, I don't know. A lot of people remember like a yo-yo guy coming to their school and showing off yo-yo tricks. Yeah. So I don't know how many of you remember much about that, but usually those kind of performers, they're they're much more than just like showing tricks on the stage. Yes. They usually, they have a mic and they're telling jokes and they're uh, 
telling yo-yo history and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely important to get more people into yo-yoing as well. Yeah. There's so much more than just uh there's a there's a great book called The Approach. I forget who it's by. It's a it's a it's a magic book, but it's got a lot of stuff that's applicable. And one of the things that he tells you to do, the kind of the the tagline of the book or like the the pitch of the book is learn how to learn the practical steps to be a strolling magician, a working strolling magician that gets paid to do strolling magic. And so he gives a lot of really, really practical stuff down to like the kind of rubber bands to buy. It's number 19 rubber bands for anybody wondering. Those are the best ones for magic. Um, but one of the things that he says is like have three stories based around magic memorized in your pocket, ready to go. And if we as yo-yoers do the same thing, like think about all those times someone walks up to you and goes, oh, I used to have a Duncan butterfly when I was younger. <laughs> and and you've already shown them two or three of your favorite tricks. And now you're like, all right, goodbye. Like you could <laughs> you could continue that that interaction by telling a little bit of a, a story for maybe two or three minutes and then go and, yeah. and show them, oh, if I take the yo-yo off of my off of my finger and put this counterweight on and now you have more time. Um, mm -hmm. which you could even now do strolling yo-yoing. If you like, you just take what I was just saying and extrapolate that out. Now you have a strolling yo-yoing show and you can get paid to walk around parties and yo-yo for people. Um, that is a job yeah. description that a lot of magicians have is strolling magician. People listening, do that with yo-yoing, go make money doing that. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I feel like, I feel like that would be another great way to grow the community. I've never really tried it, but I kind of want to now, now that you yeah. say it you can because <laughs> in fact like the reason i originally got interested in magic was because i saw a strolling magician yes oh who'd you what what they do i don't even remember this was like 10 years ago so <laughs> i don't even know that's so cool yeah no but that i mean that's literally <laughs> a seed on the tree of of magic yeah. that you ran into and it's yeah for sure um, and of course he was showing like the sort of maybe quote-unquote basic magic tricks like he wasn't doing any technical stuff he was doing uh -huh. sponge ball stuff and like magic change bag and like a basic cup and ball routine but like yeah. even just that is like enough to get people interested just like with yo-yo the simple stuff always uh seems to get more attention it always works well with an audience of non-yo-yoers and you <laughs> of all people know how to appeal to an audience of non-yo-yoers <laughs> Um, while also appealing to an audience of yo-yoers when you want to. And that's just why I think you're so interesting. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit more about Snapchat. I know you recently went, went to their headquarters, but also like, how did that relationship with them even start? Yeah, so it was definitely, uh, I was definitely a bit lucky with that. But uh, the, the reason they actually found me was through TikTok. So it's kind of yeah. funny because Snapchat was on TikTok looking for people to bring over to Snapchat. <laughs> so uh, a couple like representatives from the Snapchat team saw one of my viral TikTok videos. I think it was like most expensive yo-yo video. Uh -huh. That's a that's another thing. Like a lot of those kind of videos uh, were doing well on TikTok at the beginning. And I think it was the expensive yo-yo one that caught their attention. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You can do mm -hmm. cool tricks. You can make entertaining content. So they, I got an email from them and they're like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? We're starting up these new uh, Snapchat shows and we were wondering if you'd want to have one. So yeah, 
it was definitely different for me because I was doing 10 second videos and this is like a three minute full on episode. So I definitely had to kind of change up my strategy for that. Yeah. So what, what did that process look like of changing your, your own format that you invented that worked and now you have to create a whole new one? Yeah. Well, actually for Snapchat, I was kind of doing that format, but stretched out with more details. So, uh, Instead of doing like on TikTok, I would do a very brief 10 second tutorial saying like, this is how you do uh, the internet's favorite yo-yo trick, right? This is how you do the mm-hmm. DNA. You throw it, land it on your finger, whip the string into the gap and pull upwards. There you have the DNA. But then mm-hmm. on Snapchat, I go through like a much more detailed tutorial, so even though a lot of them aren't going to actually learn it. Like <laughs> most likely the people watching aren't going to even have a yo-yo they can do it with. Yeah. But if they if they're interested in the yo-yo stuff, they a lot of them will actually watch the tutorials, even if it's way too advanced for them. I'm sure you've probably experienced that, too, with other stuff. Yes. Like, <laughs> I know. I remember when I was in magic, I was doing I was what I watched so many like sleight of hand tutorials that I could not <laughs> like my hands physically could not do that because I wasn't like yeah. skilled enough. My hands were too small, stuff like that but I would watch them anyway because they're interesting. And I think it's kind of the same thing with what I was doing uh, for Snapchat tutorials. I literally went to a, um, to a lecture at the, at the Magic Castle like two days ago and it was all about false dealing. So top dealing, well, yeah. that's a real deal, but bottom dealing, <laughs> second dealing, uh, Greek deals, all, all the different fake deals, double dealing. Um, and he, one of the things that he mentioned was like, I know this is hard. Like, I know these things are really, really tough. But by learning these uh, the, these hard things and by attempting to learn the hard stuff, you're going to become so much better at the easy stuff. And eventually, by practicing it, you'll get good at the, at the hard stuff too. Uh, the guy's name was Scott Carr, by the way, if you're interested in looking him up. He's a magician, I assume, in LA. Um, but he... To, to that point, it's like, yes, it's interesting, but it also kind of gives people a, a thought of like, I'm going to keep working and maybe one yeah. day I'll hit that 4.5 or 5.5 or whatever, whatever hard thing that you're working on right now doesn't have to be a, a hook, mm-hmm. but whatever it is that you're working on, like attempting it and even just watching someone else do it is not only satisfying and entertaining, but I think it's inspiring and and pushes people to keep trying yeah the thing uh that's another like analogy i could kind of bring up with the uh, second dealing stuff like that it's Uh something there's some sort of some some sleight of hand moves in magic are so they look so simple but they're so hard to do and it's like uh it kind of you can kind of apply that to yo-yo too there's some little moves that are so hard like one example that comes to mind is magic drop it yeah. looks like it looks like you're barely doing anything, but that trick took me so long to learn. It was yeah. not even funny, but like once you get that, you're able to create so many tricks from there. Yes. And and also that single <laughs> drop never scores any points because no one will ever see it. But it is there and it is important. Yeah. And that's where it gets uh, it. Yeah, that's another thing uh about the about those kind of sleight of hand moves and stuff. They're they're so complicated, again, 
They're so complicated, but uh, you can learn them. Same with yo-yo moves. Um, but I think uh, sometimes, I'm not sure like if you know this, but like a lot of yo-yo competitors, I feel like might get like underscored a little bit because their tricks are so technical, but look too simple. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you get what I mean, but like uh, sometimes the tricks are so deceptively, they look easy. Uh, they're like, so Matt, good at a hard trick that they make yeah. it look easy so then the judges don't score them as well yeah so like not not necessarily magic drop but that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. those really technical moves that you can't see what's actually happening unless you're right next to the person and grab their yo-yo and do it in slow-mo yep but like some of those things i feel like um that's another thing going back to the efficiency i think a lot of times those kind of tricks aren't really worth putting in freestyles yeah no, absolutely. Um, it's something that I mean, we can keep this this magic through line going. Yeah. There's a there's a book by Darren Brown. Darren Brown is an incredible British mentalist, and he put out a book called Pure Effect, uh, which the title of that book reflects a, a sentiment that that kind of permeates the entire magic community. Not to use too big of of words here. Uh, it it reflects a a feeling that a lot of magicians think about, which is Think about it from the audience's perspective. What is it that the audience is is seeing and how do we design stuff that's for them, which if you're in a competition, your audience is the judges, but it's also the people watching, but your score depends on what the judges think. So Mm -hmm. if you make the hardest trick in the world, but no one can appreciate it, then unfortunately you haven't actually created the hardest trick in the world. You created a really easy trick that's not going to score you anything. Because yeah, and that's no another thing. Tell. Yeah, it just reminded me of another example of a trick, kind of like the magic drop thing. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you've seen that one Takeshi Matsura trick. That's like mm-hmm. it's a little bounce slack thing. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple years ago, I came up with on accident a version of that is like that element, except it was like a double layered one where it came around one side and the other side at the same time and landed on like a double on version of that. Ooh, and that trick. Literally, I was going to do it on stage thinking like, oh, this is a triple click element, right? Until I videoed myself doing it. And I'm like, that looks exactly like Takeshi's trick, but it's literally 50 times harder. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, nope, I'm not putting that in a routine. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well do the simpler version. Yeah. Oh, man. Basically. (laughs) I've, I've been using the same thing when I've been making my prelim, except in reverse. I've been taking easy tricks. But doing what you're saying, trying to make them look harder in hopes yeah. that it's going to turn into more clicks from the judges. And and I'm I'm hoping that that works out for me, but I don't know if it will. Um, so, it definitely can, like if you do it right. Yeah. No, that's the hope. So so what would you recommend as far as doing it right? Uh, Well, in terms of, are you just talking about making the chicks look harder? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I would say going back to what we were saying earlier about the presenting tricks i feel like if you if you act like your trick is hard like (laughs) make a facial expression like oh my gosh i can't believe i actually just landed that then it's gonna gonna look harder i'm gonna do that and i'll i'll like i'll do some motion to you in the audience when i I do it. yeah like a great a great example of someone that does this really well is evan nagao oh my god yes it's like his facial expressions like and when he when he like says let's go to the audience it hypes everyone up and makes them think the tricks 
they like makes the tricks seem harder than they are, which they are already are really hard. Like yeah. he, he can't deny that he's doing hard tricks, but like it makes it even better. Uh, and with the surprise facial expressions and stuff, it just yeah. makes it just so much better. <laughs> so this one more magic through line, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna promise. There'll be more. Um, it, it's uh, there's a, an old quote of like magicians don't exist. Magicians are just actors who play the part of magicians, which is, yeah. you know, if you think about it for more than two seconds, you're like, oh yeah, yeah no, that's absolutely true because magic can't exist. So therefore there's no real magician. So therefore what else is a magician that gets paid to do magic? <laughs> They're getting paid to act like a magician. And yeah. so that's our job as yo-yoers is we get clicks. We don't get paid, <laughs> uh, but we get clicks to act like, like the master God of yo-yoing the, the yeah. yo-yo man who just keeps yoing the legendary one we are him what is shout he out to that like? video yeah, yeah yeah shout out to that video that is a great <laughs> helpful launch another uh, brandon's career <laughs> another great video so good but but what does that yo-yo act like and i think that the people who act like it the best tend to be the ones that also win competitions hiroyuki was the first one to really set that in my, in my head of like What's a great yo-yo look like? It's Hiroyuki. Um, JD, JD's freestyle when he had like yeah. that that white t-shirt on and he's just oh, like the attacking those tricks. Yeah, 2003 like, Worlds. Yeah, yes, that is an like, amazing. That's amazing what a routine. Great yo-yo looks like. It's like that's him, <laughs> right there. And Gentry I think, and, and you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like the outfit helps a lot. Yeah, it's like the sunglasses kind of build the hype for Mickey. I think. Yo at least in the past like when he was uh-huh where wait what are you saying oh evan's hawaiian shirt just another example oh yeah 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 so any sort of like recognizable thing like that i feel like hypes up the crowd too yeah costuming it's basic theater <laughs> go take a theater <laughs> class guys like guys and girls go take go learn this stuff <laughs> it's out there yeah, and the thing the thing with mickey too just uh, like you just get that vibe that he's like a champion, like the way he stands on stage. Same thing with Gentry. Same yeah. thing with Evan. Probably the three <laughs> best examples. I I don't get the vibe. I yes for Gentry and and um and Hiroyuki, but Evan, I get the vibe that I want to like go go like grab a margarita like <laughs> on the beach with him. Like like he's probably because of the in shirt. My head, he's 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 just so cool and so chill. And, yeah, that's the thing. And like, yeah, I think the. But uh, it's a character choice. Yeah, what I was saying though, I think I was uh, thinking more about when he doesn't wear the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, because <laughs> like when he wears the Hawaiian shirt on stage, it definitely gives off a different vibe than when he he's wearing like a an Evan Nagao shirt or an Ed shirt true, or something like true, that. True. I think I might be thinking of an earlier Evan. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might like, be what's in my mental memory. Because when banks. he won, when he won Worlds, I don't remember uh -huh. what shirt he was wearing, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't <laughs> the Hawaiian shirt for sure. Gotcha. And with like a black shirt, especially, I feel like it gives off the vibe that you're more you're more competitive and more serious about what you're doing on stage. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's almost one more thing of, like, making sure that your tricks are seen. Making sure you're not wearing a white shirt and using white string. Or a black I mean, shirt going, and black string. I mean, going back to Evan, he won nationals with a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. See? Always a counter-argument. Um, Evan's an exception for everything, though. <laughs> Evan's an exception to all the rules. Evan's so good. 
I, I got to get him on here soon. Um, I, I could probably just text him and have him on. But anyway, um, I, I love Evan so much. But this is the Evan episode. This is this is the Hunter episode. So tell me about the balance between social media and competition, because you've been doing both now for years and also going to school. So like, how are you managing being a, uh, well, you were managing being a kid, um, but now you're managing being an adult. But like, yeah. how do you, how do you do, how do you, how did you balance all of that all at the same time? Uh, well, before this year, so I'm a senior in high school now, so I'm half day senior. I go to classes. I just go to four classes per day, come mm -hmm. home, and I'm pretty much yo-yoing, filming content, doing all that kind of stuff, practicing yo-yo the rest of the day. Wow. Honestly, that's about all I do outside of school. Yeah. <laughs> Which may, may or may not be a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, depends uh, on, uh, on, on how your much money it turns into. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, with that whole thing, going back to like uh, trying to manage everything. Before I was a half day senior, I was going to class like six classes per day, which is yeah. even though it's just two hours more, it feels like way less time after school. Yeah. So it was a lot harder to manage uh, competing with social media, although that really wasn't now that I think of it, it wasn't really too big of a problem because I kind of started blowing up on social media after contests were already closed down during COVID. So mm -hmm. really the only contests I was focusing on were online contests, which obviously have a much different approach to in-person stuff. Yeah. So then really, you're just now learning how to balance it all. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, so how's yeah. that process been? Uh, so I'm actually trying to balance almost, I guess, three different things at once because I'm trying to balance yo-yo as a job. So like yeah. social media stuff, yo-yo as a competitor trying to like, get consistent at competition tricks and also just yo-yoing for fun so like I feel like I'm almost losing out on the yo-yoing for fun part because the other stuff I feel like is kind of the priority because I want to be able to do well at contests and I want to be yeah. able to make money doing yo-yo yeah so is that kind of your your goal right now is to uh skip out on college and just keep on keep on yoing yeah I think so nice definitely gonna try for it yeah, there's there's few people that I recommend that to, but if you've built the bridge already and like you can already see a yeah. path for it, that's the exception. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that if you're uh <laughs> if you're not if you don't have any experience with yeah. social media or anything else like that. <laughs> if but, Snapchat has contacted you directly and asked for you specifically, uh I don't recommend leaving school or skipping it. <laughs> oh yeah, going back to the Snapchat thing. I forgot yeah. uh when you were talking about the headquarters uh should we talk about that a little bit oh yes please yeah so uh so they invited me to the headquarters it was something called uh snap school so uh -huh. they're basically teaching all sorts of uh tips about how to get more engagement and like more uh like more loyal fans on your profile on snap so i learned a lot there i actually met quite a few uh other influencers they uh even gave me a new uh snapchat pixie drone if you've heard of that it's like oh, a yeah, self saw the video. selfie drone. Yeah. Yeah. So I got that. That's going to be cool for filming content. Met a lot of great people and it was just a pretty cool experience. What are three things that they taught you about increasing engagement with your, with your audience? I think it's really about one connecting with them, like just 
just doing doing content they like right that's the biggest thing second thing is like being uh personable so like just acting like a real human being instead of some random fake person on social media that's Mm -hmm. perfect and never has anything wrong with them yes (laughs) so that's where like that's where like the bloopers come in posting yo-yo bloopers is great stuff like that and then third Mm -hmm. of all is just keeping everything energetic and fast-paced to keep people interested i think those are probably the three biggest things that's awesome and i want to share with you someone in in the magic world that i think just because i think that there's a lot of magicians who are really good performers who i think we can learn from as far as like creating a character that shares physical feats of difficulty which is you know that's the similarity between magic and yo-yoing his name is jason ladani l-a-d-a-n-y-e i believe and he's on tiktok and um instagram and everywhere and he has a character that is unlikable and he goes very very slowly but you can tell that he's he's grinning through the frown like he's he's really on our side and his whole thing is like oh i'm the best card cheat in the world so anything that you challenge me to do i'm gonna be able to do it and he's always got like really expensive whiskey and like a super expensive stopwatch that you know that it's not um, edited or anything like that. And he's just very like stern, very like to the point, like New York, New Yorker kind of, you think of the standard New Yorker, like all crouched over and upset at everything. Like like, he's that kind of, of character that he's playing and it works so, so well for him. So just to throw out to people that like, you don't have to go out there and be all smiles and happy, just be who you are and, and emphasize things that make you that make you human um which for him it's almost like vice drinking having whiskey next to him like that's something that makes him human um yeah and so there's there's different ways of doing the same things that you're saying but everything that you're saying is absolutely like on the on the money so do content that they like be personable in whatever way that that means and then be straight to the point don't <laughs> don't yeah, dilly dally yeah. Especially Snapchat and TikTok, especially have very low attention spans. So like, yes. you really have to get get their attention right away. Like, <laughs> literally, yeah. if you can get their attention in half of a second, that is ideal. Yeah, try Which, performing yo yoing for for five year olds, and you'll get a sense yeah. of the attention span of a TikToker. <laughs> Just do the magic trick, yo yo trick, and DNA, and you'll get the attention right away. <laughs> there you go. That's why still every every Evan, every Angelo video, they always start with with a, a kamikaze whip or a or a DNA or yeah. something that's very big and showy. Yeah. Absolutely. And and for me, I feel like just reading the comments is also uh just like reading a comment on the screen, because it's first of all, it's connecting with your followers, as I was saying. So yeah, connecting with point. them makes it uh that's like the connection part but it also makes you feel more personable because you're talking to one of your followers directly and then third of all that is kind of like the hook that gets them interested in the video is just that challenge or whatever they commented maybe it's just a question maybe it's some random uh comment they left but usually just reading that is like a good way to get people interested and the yo-yo just the yo-yo itself can do that too (laughs) Now, do you seed those comments? Because I know that a lot of people uh, send out messages and go, hey, can you comment through the DNA on a on a sausage or something? Like, 
like do you ask for people to do comments or are you always replying to 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 real people uh sometimes i so i i don't really do the actual asking people to comment the only time mm -hmm. i did that was for i don't remember if you saw the videos i did in ecuador when i went there i did oh like, yeah yeah so I literally did like DNA at the equator and I acted like I went to like 3000 miles just to film the DNA at the landmark. That's right. Uh -huh. But I just had a friend from school comment that, but like, other than that, uh, all the videos are things that I actually got comments for like wow. legit. You are the and purest. Really... <laughs> so yeah, there was one, uh, you know, Lake Havasu city, Arizona. Uh -huh. So that's like four hours from my house. I got a comment on one of my TikToks saying, do the Spider-Man in Lake Havasu. And I literally drove four hours just to go film that video for them because I, I knew that would like surprise them and they'd be like, oh my gosh, he actually did that. Wow. I I almost think that you're going to get better. Oh no, I think I just lost my train of thought on that. <laughs> I had a point there. It was okay. slightly interesting, but I lost it. Um, oh, good. Yeah, and another thing... Uh, uh, so I'm not necessarily asking people for the comments, but what I am doing is sometimes I'll, if there's something I want to make a video for, but I don't have the comment, I'll, um, I'll make some other video that's going to prompt them to want to comment that without asking them directly. So like, if I want to film a video doing the DNA with my smallest yo-yo, then I might do a video doing the DNA with my biggest yo-yo. And then yes. all the comments are like, do it with your smallest one now. And it, That's it just works. so funny. Oh my God. It just works. And, and the thing that it, it kind of ties in with this is if you avoid replying to comments until you start getting comments that want you to reply to them, then you'll know that you're big enough to start making videos like that. Because yeah. otherwise it's like, you don't really get a sense of, of, of where you stand in the community but if you're the kind of person that people find that they want to comment to and say hey try this have you tried this have you ever done this then yeah. they're actually reaching out to you as a human like like they have some it's you know parasocial relationships are going on but they are reaching out to you and saying that's cool have you ever thought about doing something like this like that's what they're feeling in yeah. that moment is they think that they have this really brilliant idea even if it's do walk the dog on the grass instead of the concrete. It's like, to us, it's like, oh my God, not another stupid person. But to them, this is the first time they've ever had that thought. And and like, do, the, do it with your smallest yeah. yo-yo. There's some kid out there that's like, whoa, what if he did it with a tiny yo-yo? How would it even fit on his finger? It's not even going to fit there. Like, this is incredible to them. And we have to hold on to that thought. Yeah. Since we're such... <laughs> that goes back to like the energy, the being energetic in the videos like yeah. if you're not energetic then they're not going to be passionate about watching them and like Absolutely. you have to you have to act just as excited as they were to comment it or they're not going to be interested every single time every time you have to be that yeah. excited like that is effort that people yeah. don't know um I, I did an episode when i when i worked backstage when my friend was working at the castle and what I learned from that was just like every every single show for 30 something I think 32 or 36 shows in a week he had to go out there and smile and say the same jokes and have the same level of excitement sometimes like <laughs> five times in a day 
Oh my god! Do that for like thirty minutes at a time, and and like that is a level of energy that we, being on the internet, are privileged to not yeah. have to put in because we don't have to do it five times a day. We just have to do it once. But when you do it once, and it's something I see in all of your videos, and something that I haven't figured out until now how to comment on, you are always so happy, and you always have one of the biggest smiles, and it seems yeah. so genuine. And I'm sure that it is genuine, but like, I'm also sure that on some days you don't want to have to put that character on because it, it, I know it takes energy. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, it's actually very rare that I don't want to do it. Cause like, I just, if I didn't like yo-yoing, I wouldn't be making the videos. So like, yeah. if I, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be making the videos and I, I would have to force myself to like smile, but I don't really have to force myself to smile because I like yo-yoing. So that's a good point. <laughs> and that's why Hunter is not a bread-making channel <laughs> on baking bread, because he would not be smiling if he were if he were breaking, baking bread. I don't know, maybe you love baking bread, and that was a terrible example. Uh, but anyway, um, let's talk about yo-yo clubs. I All think right, both so... of us grew up in, 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 in yo-yo clubs, and I want to hear what your similar. thoughts are. Yep. Very similar situation. So, uh, were there any yo-yo clubs in LA other than DXL or is that like the main one you went to? That's actually not the main one. That was the one that I never went to growing up, even though it happened monthly and has been happening monthly since like the nineties. I mostly went to the sunshine kite company. And oh, okay. Yeah. And that was weekly and Yoshi was teaching those classes. Now one, does that one still exist? No, because the, the owners sold the shop and they stopped uh, selling yo-yos before then. So <laughs> Yeah, that's so sad. Anyways, so uh, I started a yo-yo club when I was 12. It's called the Chandler Yo-Yo Club. Okay. So that's one another way that I've tried getting more people into the yo-yo community. I've taught quite a few people since then. So it's been, uh, I think, six years, six years since it started. Wow. And we've moved across quite a few different locations and we try to make it. Uh, it's kind of similar to DXL in some ways. Sometimes it's a bit smaller. It's not quite as big. It's more of a tight, tight knit community. But like, mm -hmm. that's also a good thing because uh, people can learn like a lot faster. And I feel like people are more, uh, they they seem to like get to know each other better when it's a smaller mm -hmm. group. Yeah, and it's... I think. Oh, what were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna go on to how you were twelve and starting a yo-yo competition <laughs> or, or yo-yo club, but you can go on with what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about that, it the reason I started it was because there were there were just so many yo-yo clubs in Arizona already. Just like you know, Yo-Yo Factory is based here. So yeah. they've gotten so many people into yo-yoing and a lot of people had started yo-yo clubs like hope in the hopes of getting people from Yo-Yo Factory to uh, help them out with it but mm. there were probably five six maybe seven yo-yo clubs just in the phoenix area something like that mm -hmm. there have been a lot and there have been more in the past too but the reason i started my own was because like all of them were kind of doing the same thing it was just like a generic yo-yo club like you go you you learn tricks you hang out mm -hmm. and that's it so i kind of wanted to make it something different so we do a lot of uh we do a lot of like mini games where you win strings or sometimes yo-yos will do raffles. We've done uh, mini competitions, stuff like that. And uh, it's quite a bit different too, because we have, uh, we even made like Chandler Yo-Yo Club shirts for people to wear, which is nice. 
just it gives a kind of like a sense of community a bit with that uh-huh so we just tried to do a lot of things to make it uh just different from the other clubs that's so cool and and also something that people can can take in into thought when they're creating their own when they yeah. are 12 <laughs> yeah so that's i think another one of the reasons i wanted to make a club is because uh when i was starting out i started out at a class at the library even though it was technically like a structured class it still felt like a yo-yo club yeah uh with how they were teaching and uh tyler and harold were both like awesome mentors to me and i i just felt like it'd be cool to do the same thing because like they weren't really tyler moved out of arizona and harold was only here for a short period of time mm. so uh after they left there really weren't any like uh top tier yo-yo competitors that were going around like teaching people how to yo-yo and I just thought it like it'd be good to kind of fill that gap, even though when I was 12, I wasn't really, a, I don't think I was necessarily a top tier competitor by any means, but I could definitely like teach people and help grow the community, I think. Absolutely. Is, so is the Chandler Yoga Club still going? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, six years. And how has that um, helped you to stay motivated? Oh, so um, I'm not sure. Do you know, do you know of Chris Schrock? the kid that does all the next old tricks oh yeah yeah, yeah. recently recently got sponsored by yo-yo factory uh was but, he at nationals yeah he got i uh, absolutely second, remember him got second <laughs> in sport he's the one that literally did the 360 next stool on stage in sport that oh my god he was so i love hudson hudson one right hudson one yeah hudson's great but oh my god that kid was like for how young he was like oh man yeah so, absolutely deserved his win though yeah so i was one of the people that uh was helping him out so he he learned some of the basics at the beginning but he started going to uh my yo-yo club as well as uh yo-yo factory headquarters actually has a yo-yo club every friday now so nice. he's been going to both of those clubs every single week he literally never misses either of them wow. and like i feel like he's actually kind of one of the people that's motivating me a lot because uh his his trick style is kind of developing similar to mine i think part and partly because like i've taught him so many tricks and mm -hmm. we're hanging out twice a week yo-yoing he's really like uh the only other like yo-yoer that can actually make a lot of like high uh high difficulty combos like in this kind of area in phoenix at least wow so like i feel like just what he's doing is uh similar to me and it's kind of pushing me to like the next level I think because he's doing all sorts of things one year into yo-yoing that I'm like dude I need to step my, step up my game if I want to like compete against the future generation of yo-yoers <laughs> yeah they're coming for us uh yeah I mean there's you a, know there's a kid I'm mentoring young. who is 13 I think I might be wrong sorry if I got that wrong I know you're listening um but uh he's like super young and he just he's like getting close to landing a double uh dna and he's been yo-yoing for like five months and i'm Crazy. like what are yeah i remember what? what's in the water how are they do doing know, this do you know uh you know keith from yo-yo factory right yes yeah yeah, yeah so one time at the yo-yo factory club uh, it was literally when chris was i think three or maybe four maybe five months into yo-yoing uh -huh. We were literally just hanging out there, and Chris just asked Keith and I, hey, have you ever seen this trick 
and he literally just like did a behind the back reverse sprint stole, spun oh 360 God. and landed a next stole. He's what? like, has this ever been done? And we're like, uh, okay, uh, how did you do that? Wait, how, <laughs> where'd you learn that? And no, that has never been done. <laughs> oh my God. For for reference, in case people think that that's normal, when I was asking Yoshi if things have ever been done, it was like, oh, I'm going to do a, a, a boingy boing, but I'm going to pop off of the, I'm not going to hit the string. And then it's going to come back into a boingy boing. Is that new? Is that something new? Is that anything? Yeah, for me, for me, it was that one uh, thing where you, you go into a wrist mount, you do like an undercut and then let go of your throw hand. And it's like that oh, fake yeah. GT thing. Mm-hmm. I thought I made up that trick. And it turns out every <laughs> single person has thought they made up that exact same trick. It's, it's that progression of technology. You, you with your, your, your template and then the entire community with just like putting out new tricks and new ways of yeah. teaching, like, like we're figuring out what teaching styles work and what doesn't collectively as a, as an entire community. Like it's not any one person who's doing this. I think we're getting better at teaching noobs to, to get into yo-yoing. Yeah. And a huge part of it is, um, is yo tricks and to a lesser extent now yo-yo expert and just like the quantity of information and the kind of tricks yeah. the kids are seeing and like if you're a new kid and you come in and you've only been yo-yoing for four months and all you've seen is evan doing the double dna it's like oh okay then i guess that's what i learn after i learn the dna because there's two of them yeah it's one one unit harder <laughs> it's until like, you realize that it's a hundred times harder oh but not if you don't know that <laughs> then it's just the next one I think that's a huge part of why we don't understand it. It's because someone ran the four-minute mile now, so now everyone else can do it too. Yeah. If you know the story of the four-minute mile, it's like no one could do it for years, then someone oh, did yeah. it, and then suddenly everyone could do it. It's the same thing. Same thing we with, just like... keep knocking I... down those barriers. The same thing with hooks. Like, I remember when 3.5 hook was considered, like, a insanely difficult trick that, like, yep. only a couple people in the world could do, and now, like... I could name over a hundred people that can do it if you really wanted yep. me to. I'm not going to, but uh, like I could name them if you like. I don't know. You know what I mean? I totally get what you mean. Um, they're they're everywhere. Uh, also, before I forget, most effective tactics available. Only the people who who are annoying and were yelling at us earlier will understand what I'm saying. Um. And everyone else will just be confused as to why I just shouted that out. But it does reference something that we were talking about earlier. Um, acronym. Uh, how online contests changed your style? Tell me that, and then it's time to wrap up. All right. Yeah, so this, um, I feel like it definitely made, it definitely stepped up the difficulty in my tricks. Because uh, when you're doing, when you're doing an in-person contest, you can do, like, a lot of, like, not necessarily basic tricks, but kind of lower risk tricks and if you mm-hmm. hit clean you can you can win or at least place really high yes. uh, but with online everyone is like oh i can film as many times as i want so they're all just doing the hardest tricks they possibly can knowing they're just going to film over and over until they get them uh-huh. so i had like this 360 green triangle suicide that i caught behind my back that i was mm-hmm. like i would never attempt this in a real contest but i'll do it online because like if i miss it then i just start over on the uh-huh. routine but like, I was like, there's no way I'll ever put this in a routine. And then 
I I did it at nationals without the behind the back part. I hit it. I'm like super consistent with it now. Uh Um, And I'm also pretty consistent at the behind the back one too, just from filming that contest over and over. That's so cool. So by, by needing to film it over and over for online, you're now able to do a slightly easier version completely consistently. Yeah. And because you basically also, forced yourself to do the work <laughs> to yeah. learn it. And the in the more the more advanced version, like the behind the back one, I'm not super consistent, but I can do it probably 80% of the time. Mm. I guess that is pretty consistent. It's pretty good. But still for like a trick that you can drop and get in a knot, I feel like that's not consistent enough for me. Yeah, you gotta kind of get those to 100. <laughs> At least like yeah. 98, 99. Yeah, so Man. another thing with the online contests. Mm -hmm. uh one thing that i didn't really like about them was like just since you since you film since you want to film to perfection right Mm -hmm. since you want to film to perfection you have to uh you have to kind of start over every time you make a mistake so a lot of the times you're starting over within the first 10 seconds over and over you master and those tricks. <laughs> that thing that I didn't like about it was like, I feel like I would only get good at the first couple tricks in my routine. Yep. And then the ones at the end of my routine, by the time I get there in a clean routine on film, I'm like, I start stressing because I can't do the tricks at the end because I didn't practice them in any of the recording. <laughs> so strategy wise, I think what, well, this this presupposes that you have to know solid tricks that are going to score already i guess strategy wise it's put those at the end and then put the the really really rough ones at the beginning because then not only will you be able to land them and then be able to continue your routine afterwards for filming but it also will give you a really good opportunity to practice the hell out of those tricks until they're perfectly consistent yeah but the other thing is um at the end of the routine a lot of times what people will remember in a routine is the very first trick and the very last trick. Yes. A lot of times they'll forget about all the stuff that happens in the middle. So uh-huh. you you don't want to necessarily have a really low tr- low risk trick right at the end of the routine because they might oh, remember that's... your routine as, yeah. oh, it wasn't that good of a routine. He just did like a meta trick that wasn't too hard at the end, even though it might have been that's... a good trick. Uh-huh. I kind of like doing a banger that looks hard, but like I'm really consistent at a lot of the times I'm doing that at the end that's what I was trying to say when I said this what I'm about to say presupposes blah 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 blah. it's what you just said oh yeah you have to have something that that will score really really high already on lock and memorized and perfect and consistent which you obviously do but other people might not so if you don't have that go learn one of those (laughs) and then uh yeah uh great so then i guess the last question before we do the kind of the takeaway points in the in the last little bits is what's what's kind of your future for for both contests and for social media all right so for social media i definitely want to just continue making content trying Mm -hmm. to improve the content maybe start more uh i've done a couple youtube videos recently like a little bit longer form content i want to try to get more into that so, because uh, I feel like YouTube can be uh, like more profitable and get yeah. like a bigger audience than other stuff. Like TikTok definitely seems, no offense to TikTok, but I feel like a lot of people on TikTok, they don't have a, a big attention span and they're not like as loyal fans. 
Yes. They just like they don't it like if you have two million followers on TikTok, I feel like that's not as big of a deal as if you have a hundred K on YouTube, something like Yeah. that, for example. Absolutely. So definitely want to start on YouTube more, make some good advanced tutorials for uh yo-yoers, make some entertaining challenge videos for non-yo-yoers. And then for competition side of things, I definitely want to try to uh, improve my consistency for tricks. I definitely like to try to do well at Worlds next year. I think that would be awesome because uh, last year, my only goal was to make finals. I didn't really try like making a super high scoring routine finals. I just did a kind of fun, uh, fun routine with a fun song and didn't really focus too much on judging. But Yeah. I definitely want to try to make it more competition oriented. while keeping it uh, entertaining for the yo-yoers so it's not too generic looking with tricks. Definitely want to put like my own spin on stuff, do um, lots of bangers, add some more unique kind of tech elements that a lot of people probably haven't seen me doing before. So I think it would just be cool doing that. Dude, can I can I give you a challenge? <laughs> Yes. I I just I think because I know you love traveling, right? Yeah. I think you could make such a good stage performer. And so like next time you travel somewhere that's a big city, see if you can find an open mic, tell a little story and do your three minute uh, freestyle, make it take up five minutes and just see how you feel about it. I I bet you like just go to an open mic. You're 18. They'll let you into any of them. Um, well, maybe you need to be 21 for some, but like go try it out. I think I really think that you you might love it. If Yeah, you that's a... if you aren't doing live performing yet, I think you'd be really good at it. yeah, I've done that a bit in the past, but without like, I'm definitely not the kind of person that, uh, I don't know. I, despite like what you see on social media, like I'm Uh one of those people that's terrified of public speaking. So huh. like, Ah, I see. Yeah. that's one thing I could definitely improve <laughs> on. Like if I do that, well, the there yo-yoing you go. stuff, yo-yoing in front of a crowd, I do not care. That's easy. Yeah. But the talking is the hard part for That's sure. what I'm saying. Stick the two minutes at the beginning. People won't even remember it and just try Yeah. it and see how it feels. Put it on. I, I, I bet you could learn to be really, really good at it because it, it's just a muscle that you have to, that you have to practice, but you've got Yeah, the yo-yo I agree. and you've got the skills. Oh man. And you have the presentation abilities. You're just used to doing it at a camera. I think Yeah. if you can do it to people like, oh man, it'll, it'll make your presence on camera even better too. not saying it's bad but it'll it'll it's the con constant improvement Yeah. there's always more Yeah, uh, for oh you'd sure. be so good at it anyway um it just makes me so excited to think about Yeah. it. uh so take away points um you we've just talked for an hour and 46 minutes and 28 seconds as of now um we've said a lot of stuff a ton of stuff what is one point that you want the listeners to remember from all the things that we talked about <laughs> yeah, there's so many things. I'm trying to think. I think the biggest things... I would take away from this episode would probably be uh, using other styles uh, to get inspiration for 1A tricks or whatever style you're doing. Maybe maybe you're a, a 5A player and you want to get inspiration from 4A or you want to get inspiration. I don't know how you'd get inspiration from 2A on 5A, but maybe if you watch enough 2A, you could figure something out. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. But uh, definitely taking inspiration from other styles. taking uh, inspiration from your favorite players, putting uh, your own spin on the tricks.
both figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. 360 tricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh Definitely my God. 360 tricks, turning things into uh, arm tricks, anything like that, that you can make their trick different. Change the order of the elements and put your own elements mixed in. Anything mm-hmm. like that, I think that's a great takeaway. That's excellent. Uh, I'll do one real quick that I was I was just thinking about when you said that, that kid was twelve and or however old that kid that landed that behind the yeah. back head neck stole whatever the heck he landed. Um, and also just hearing about you starting your club at twelve and like everything that you did so young, like you're. 18 you're not even out of high school and you're like oh yeah i think i could do this as a career and there's very very few people who do that in yo-yoing there's a lot of people who do that in magic i've met a lot of them at the junior program at the castle and it's just so exciting to me to see somebody who's at that level in yo-yoing because that shows that we're maturing as a community and getting closer to where i think ultimately we need to be if if we want this to be a if we want the yo-yo community to be an institution that lasts People have to be doing it for a living or else it won't last. Yeah, yeah. People will just forget the skills. So um, uh, the point is, the takeaway point is like, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, like just do the thing that you love. (laughs) Do the thing that you love. If you love it, you'll keep doing it. And it'll keep bringing you smiles every time that you do it. And clearly you're a perfect example of that. So I I think that's a, a takeaway of like, doesn't matter how old you are just do it um exactly and like if you can if you like what you're doing then you're not gonna want to stop it and you're gonna continue being motivated exactly even even if a podcast host tells you that you're just putting on a character they're wrong (laughs) (laughs) you you do love it oh my god so um lastly you have a signature yo-yo tell us about it yes so this is my signature yo-yo. Uh, there we go. It's in camera. This is called the Spotlight by Yo-Yo Factory. Uh, it's a super wide yo-yo, so it's great for uh, bangers. It's great for. Uh, it's actually great if you're just getting into unresponsive yo-yoing too, uh, because it's such a wide gap that's pretty easy to land. Uh, if you're learning stuff like trapeze, other mounts like that, it's very easy to learn on. Um, mm-hmm. It's also. Uh, you may have seen Sideways DNA trick that i made viral oh, on yeah, TikTok. Yeah. it's like a sidewinder except uh like this you this yo-yo actually has a lip and it designed specifically for that trick Ooh, oh so it's a thumb grind yeah so it's, thumb it's super good DNA. thumb grinds it will never fall off your finger if you do it lovely and i've tried it, it it's a it's as good as you're saying it's really really good um, yeah and <laughs> it's actually, really fun too um i also have another yo-yo coming out soon it's Ooh. gonna be like the spotlight but it's actually the Spotlight Ultra. So it's okay. going to be made out of 7068, I believe. So it's going to be a stronger stronger material. It should be a smoother yo-yo, spin longer, more overall more premium feel to the yo-yo. Okay. Uh, it will be a little bit more expensive, but uh, it will definitely be worth it. And that should be okay. coming uh, hopefully next month. No promises, though. <laughs> we'll see. If, if you're a young yo-yoer, buy it because it's good to have good products around and i i can definitely vouch for this one in particular i've tried it um and if you're not a young yo-yoer like or a new yo-yoer buy it because you want to support hunter if you have a million yo-yos yo-yos already buy it 
and then like give it to a kid who who doesn't have enough yo-yos. Like if you have the money to go ahead and support Hunter because that like you are supporting someone who's gonna keep inspiring people. Like genuinely, I'm telling you, Hunter, you are going to continue in- inspiring people, and I'm telling the people who are listening. Keep supporting Hunter because he's going to continue inspiring people, and that's good for all of us. So, um, yeah, that just about does it. Thank you so much. Any any last uh, last minute things? Um. So, shout out to Yo-Yo Factory for sponsoring me. Oh, spotlight, yeah. helping me make the spotlight for sure. Um. Also, shout out Chandler Yo-Yo Club, uh, the Yo-Yo Club that I run. So. Uh, all the people there are awesome, learning very quick. And uh, yeah, go buy Spotlight Ultra when it comes out. Yeah. Um, go check out HunterYoYos.com. That's my website. Um, that's the best way to support me. If you go there, buy a yo-yo. Uh, we're, we have some awesome holiday deals coming out pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah, go follow all my social media too. Uh, where can they find, find you on socials? All right, so for Instagram, it is Hunter underscore Yo-Yo. My Snapchat show is Hunter Space Yo-Yos. Um, and then my YouTube is Hunter Yo-Yo, all one word. Perfect. And my TikTok is Hunter underscore Yo-Yo as well. So sadly, I couldn't get the same username on everything, which is kind of <laughs> annoying. But if you, just search Hunter, if you just search Hunter Yo-Yo, you'll find me on every platform, so... Yeah, you're you're still killing it on all the platforms, so you're still <laughs> the search engines are good for you. <laughs> well, perfect, dude. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, thank you for having me. Peace out. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>